two F's that are effing great. Football and food. This is Pigskin and Burnt Ends with Patrick Netherton, part of the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Podcast Network. Hey gang, welcome to this week's edition of Pigskin and Burn Ends with Patrick Netherton. I am the aforementioned Patrick Netherton. We're very pleased to have you with us. A, uh, a big week in college football. We had uh, fi- our first firing. We had upsets all over the place, including App State going down and taking out A&M, Marshall taking down Notre Dame, Georgia Southern ending the uh, the career of Scott Frost at Nebraska. Uh, all of that on the docket. Plus, we're going to talk to our boy Timmy B, Tim Brando from Fox Sports. Uh, for those that know who I am, you may know me from the Tim Brando Show. Timmy B and I are both natives of Shreveport, Louisiana, both still live here. And, uh, and Timmy basically uh, was, was the reason I got into national sports radio. I'd always been doing a local show and doing Northwestern State Demon football, but uh, Timmy got me into the, the national scene. That's why I have the Rolodex that I do. That's why I get the guests that I do. You know, Aaron Taylor from last week. Those guys are because I was on the Tim Brando show. So big thanks to Timmy. He has been a, a good friend for a long time. And so we're going to talk to Timmy B coming up on this week's edition. For those that don't know, and you kind of have to be living under a rock, Timmy had a pretty bold prediction about Scott Frost. He predicted that Scott Frost was going to win multiple national championships and uh, was going to be the Nick Saban of his generation coming up uh, when he got hired at Nebraska. Uh, now, look, that that is a that's a bold proclamation. But look at, at what was what were the circumstances at that point, right? Scott Frost was coming off of an undefeated season. UCF claimed a national championship. They were uh, arguably one of the top three, four, five teams in the nation, and he was the prodigal son returning. So there was no reason not to think that Scott Frost was going to have a boatload of success at Nebraska. And it just, for whatever reason, didn't work out the, what, 21-22 losses by one possession. And, and eventually it gets to be where you lose enough games by one possession you're you're no longer unlucky. You're just not good, and you just don't have the sort of ability to find the way to win. And unfortunately, that's what ultimately got Scott Frost. So uh, uh, he gets gets let go. Trev Alberts, the AD, moving in a different direction. Mickey Joseph becomes the interim coach, first uh, African American head coach of any sport at Nebraska. So he wants the job full time. Let's you know it's his audition. I remember famously, uh, to me, the most famous interim coach was Ed Ogeron at USC, right? He went, what, five and two, six and two, whatever at at USC. Uh, They went in a different direction. Ogeron ultimately ends up at LSU and becomes, uh, has arguably the greatest single season in the history of the sport in 2019. So we'll talk to Timmy B about the Scott Frost prediction. And, uh, and we're going to get into the 12-team playoff with Timmy and, and uh, you know, his thoughts on that. And you know, perhaps, and, and I've never thought about this, but perhaps 12 isn't the end for the college football playoffs uh, at the highest level. So Timmy will weigh in on, uh, on all of that and uh, definitely looking forward to having him. Timmy B., Tim Brando from Fox Sports Radio. Uh, meanwhile, in the realm of college football, upsets all over the place. A&M. Folks have to be thinking, what did we pay for 
with Jimbo Fisher. His offenses have not been great. I mean, they they beat Sam Houston 31 to nothing, but it wasn't that impressive. Uh, then only 14 and seven of those were uh, was a kickoff return for a touchdown. They have to be wondering what's going on down in Aggie land and were they to some degree sold a bill of goods with Jimbo Fisher and and that's kind of remains to be seen. It is one of the more intriguing storylines moving forward is Jimbo Fisher, quote unquote offensive genius, offensive guru, whatever, developer of quarterbacks, you know, Jameis Winston and all of that, but his offense is a little bit old school, right? There's, it's not as, uh, as, as hurry up, no huddle, tempo, uh, spread, all of that stuff. It's a little bit of an old school offense. It's very, it's tight end friendly. We've seen tight ends come out of there and have great success at Texas A&M. So uh, I think that's going to be the most fascinating storyline to watch moving forward is what happens with Jimbo Fisher. If they try to fire him, they owe him a boatload of money, an absolute boatload of money. So uh, his contract is fully guaranteed. So if they try to to go and get rid of him, it is going to be uh, a bit of a nightmare to try to get out from under that contract. Now, one of the things I've talked about a lot is the fact that Texas A&M has more money available to it for athletics than any other school in the nation outside of the Ivy Leagues. Uh, A&M has a lot of big oil and gas folks, and of course oil and gas is is high right now. Uh, They've got a bunch of oil and gas folks, and A&M is a cult. Let's be honest, it is a cult. People have been sharing the Yell Leader videos from uh, Yell Practice videos, what they call Midnight Yell uh, in Aggieland, they've been sharing those, and and yes, it is very cultish at Texas A and M. That is kind of who they are, and so uh, when they have big money donors, their big money donors are inclined to give money back to the program. That's why they have the ability to pay Jimbo Fisher uh, what they paid him. So the real question is. If they decide they would like to go in a different direction, they probably have the wherewithal to be able to make that happen financially. But it is going to be an incredibly bad precedent to set for that to happen with a you paying a coach basically $100 million to go away. I mean, look at what Nebraska did. They could have saved half of Scott Frost's salary. They could have saved basically $7 million if they had done that uh, at a different time, if they had waited until October the 1st to do that, instead of doing that at, uh, at the time that they did. So uh, we'll see. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher is going to be the most fascinating guy to watch down the stretch of college football. Not a lot to report on the LSU front. They played Southern. Uh, from what I understand, the atmosphere was beautiful. People were having a great time. Uh, the bands were obviously fantastic, but there wasn't a whole lot on the field. Uh, LSU did exactly what LSU should have done against Southern. They got up early. They cruised to a win. Uh, Jaden Daniels looked very good, both throwing uh, and didn't have to run as much, but but looked very good throwing the ball. And now the question becomes, where do they go moving forward? Mississippi State coming up this week. That's going to be a tough test. Uh, Brian Kelly's first Southeastern Conference game uh, against uh, a, an opponent that is sneaky good. Uh, when when Mike Leach has a good quarterback, which he does with Will Rogers, 
Uh, they can be very good with that air raid attack. So that's going to be a fascinating to ball, ball game to watch, and certainly uh, we'll have our eyes on that one. So coming up here in just a moment, we'll have Tim Brando from Fox Sports. He'll join us. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the, the what's going on at Nebraska, the Scott Frost prediction, and then we'll uh, get his thoughts on the 12-team playoffs. Hey, college football fans, we know that with the season cranked back up, you're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices. And we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and the mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust. And Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities in 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They've also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices on the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app, or you can go to TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for all those listening to the podcast here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Take 5% off of your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code GRIDIRON22. That's GRIDIRON and then two twos right behind that. That's GRIDIRON22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just for one-time use. No, you can use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code GRIDIRON22. Think smarter, ticket smarter. We are joined by Fox Sports' own one of our good friends, Timmy B. Timmy, how are you, sir? I am wonderful, Patrick. Great to be with you. Congratulations on the new pod. Thank you. And uh, all that's going on with you at Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, the, your uh, your the, streaming video played up. Like I'm that. telling you. I'm uh, I'm now, uh, Timmy, you and I are clearly on the same uh, same plane now. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, obviously, <laughs> hey, man, I, I'm, you know. You're on the tube, you might. You might want to go with a little more makeup and just for men as you get older. Yeah, you know, well, there's there's definitely going to be makeup to be put on. I can I can <laughs> I actually that's why when I called you earlier I was like, well, Timmy was clearly putting his makeup on for his for his radio hit upcoming. <laughs> hey, I I do want to start with uh, the Scott Frost stuff because to your credit, you owned it. Uh, we've talked about it, but uh, the idea of how difficult predicting things in college athletics is not just football all of them uh, you know it, it was not a far cry to say that you thought that anyone would think scott frost would be successful at nebraska and would would contend for championships at nebraska just that the nature of trying to predict what is such an unpredictable uh realm and and kids that age I, I mean, I'll, I give you credit for putting your, uh, you know, for putting your foot out there, putting your, you know, your neck out there, because, brother, I don't know how you try to predict what's going on in college athletics anymore. Well, let me begin by saying first and foremost, I'm not a predictor or a prognosticator, okay, but I am an opinion giver, and I do base my opinions on observation, and um, that that particular freezing cold take, which has been rubbed in my face. Uh, more than probably any other freezing cold take in the history of that um, of that website mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, came from an uh, you know a question that was asked when I was on uh, Paul's show. It's not like I went on somebody else's platform and said, "Let me tell you about this guy Scott Frost." Right. <laughs> First off, you have to be in the arena. I'm in the arena. 
I'm calling his opening game against Akron. By the way, then coached by Terry Bowden. Yeah, your your boy. Uh, and 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 they had had the great success that they had had at UCF. I had known Scott both as a player at Nebraska, as a play caller for Mark Helfrich, who's now one of our, my colleagues at Fox, and uh, the former head coach at Oregon who played for the national championship mm-hmm. with Scott as his play caller against Ohio State in 2014. They, I called their Pac-12 championship that year. It's the only year in the last 25 I've not been with Spencer Tillman. It was my first year at Fox. And uh, I was so impressed with the guy, and both internally and externally. And so, yeah, uh, I found him to be measured. Uh, he, if you're ever around him, he's a soft-spoken guy. Uh, some might even argue a little bit aloof. He had a sort of Saban-esque quality about him in terms of the way he, he viewed the game and how he talked about his players. So I, I saw him as, a, as, as an offensive version uh, of maybe what Nick uh, had been from a defensive standpoint. Uh, if, if you go far enough back with Nick as an assistant to Belichick, it was sort of the same thing. The guy was really bright. Uh, Jerry Glanville had him as a position coach before he went with Belichick with the Oilers. So, you know, the, the pedigree was there. And, and and somebody asked me a question, I'm going to give them an answer. Sure. And you know me, you've been around me long enough to know that I believe in what I say. Okay? I'm not going to make that statement if I really don't believe it. I felt that the combination of his acumen, his pedigree, and the, the Nebraska – uh, name being what it was, and that they had finally gotten him. Remember, they were trying to get him for a long time. It wasn't like this was just a shot in the dark to get Scott Frost. They they had they had talked about him going all the way back to you know conversations even earlier about Turner Hill. I mean, we can go on and on about mm-hmm. that, the many times that, that the job was open, and and Scott just wasn't in a position to to take the job at that particular point. So, yeah. I mean, but it's not like I'm trying to predict. You know, some people do try to predict. They make their name as pundits by doing that. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a play-by-play commentator that, that, that will throw in his opinion uh, because of the essence of who I am and for what I've done for a long period of time. And maybe to some extent because I was only a few years removed from having my own radio show that was televised. Mm-hmm. And part of that daily conversation, uh, maybe I tend to be uh, well, I know I am. I'm, I'm more opinionated than probably anybody else that's calling play-by-play. But I'm no longer in that business uh, on a daily basis, and I'm really glad about it. But the statements that you make four or five years back, uh, they're all, you know, fans have long memories, and so does the Internet. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to have to deal with it no matter what. Sure. As long as it's not mean-spirited. Yeah. You know, I can handle it. Um, um, I will. Uh, I, I do want to. book for a long time. I do want to take you to task for one thing that you said, though, Timmy. Uh, you just said that you believe everything that you say, and I know for a fact that uh, you keep ranking. You kept ranking Alabama number four in your preseason poll, even though you knew they were better than that, just to get everyone riled up and get the Alabama fans going. I need a mea culpa on that, Timmy. Come on. All that matters is that you're in the four. In the four, right? Right. That's it. Right. Yeah. It's true. Well, what made what made better radio? No, uh, it did. What, what made better? What was a better business decision? No, it, I, look, I'm on your side here. 
Like it was, it was, it was the absolute right move, yeah, and and they I, kept I, and they kept I, I falling for it every year. On a, on a large basis, you know, deceiving, deceiving the public is part of the job. Yeah, you know, and, <laughs> and 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 because what makes good TV, what makes good radio, sometimes you can you can dramatize it, uh, and and yeah, I did that from time to time. Sure, and, um, and they fell for I'm it no, every I'm, year. I'm no longer in that arena, but yeah. Uh, the, the Scott Frost thing that really bothered me more than anything was that, you know, people in social media will pick this thing up and go, oh, my God, what, if, what, uh, what was he on? What was he thinking? Like, and, like, I, I suddenly showed up on anybody's show and without provocation right. started in on Scott Frost being the next Nick Saban. You're no, right. I was asked the question because I was going to call the game, and uh, what did I think of the guy? And so I answered it. Yeah. Okay? And pontificated on it, which I've always believed. Uh, if you truly believe in something, you, you go ahead and say it. Sure. You know, and speak in absolutes. You know, Patrick, people don't remember. And I give this as a, a Timmy B's tips from the T to young broadcasters all the time. People don't remember, well, he's okay. And, you know, if this or that happens, he might have a successful career. No, people remember when you say with authority, mm-hmm. say about this guy. Okay, here's what he's done. Here's what I think he's going to do. And so if you want to be remembered, uh, then you have to have a a commitment to putting yourself out there. Uh, I also, in the same week that all this thing, all this was going on, what did I say all last month about the preseason rankings on Texas A&M? Did I not say they were a fraud? Oh, yeah. I believe I did. Who else in this part of the country said Texas A&M was a fraud? Well, we saw the proof in the pudding there, too, didn't we? Yeah. But, you know, I don't get nearly the, the, the uh, reaction uh, from, the, uh, from the whack jobs in the cesspool of Twitter for being accurate about what I said about Texas A&M than I do about being inaccurate about Scott Frost. So, yeah. But we have to understand that going in, okay? We sure. Have, it's part of the world we live in, part of the, the cesspool we swim in with Twitter. Yeah. Uh, Tim Brando, Fox Sports, joining us. You know, it's funny you brought up Nick Saban. And to me, he's the perfect example of what we're talking about, about how college athletics is so unpredictable. I mean, this is a guy that was basically a 500 coach at Michigan State, had one good year. He comes to LSU, and all the LSU fans are going, why did we go get Nick Saban from Michigan State? Like, what's going on? And then he wins you a national championship and becomes the greatest coach of all time. You know, when people saw him now, you know, you pedigree and, and, and Belichick and all that stuff, we all know that. But even that is not a predictor of success. It just so happens Nick Saban turned into the best college football coach of all time. That, yeah. to me, is the perfect example of why predictions in college sports are so difficult to make. Well, that's true. And, and who, who in uh, intercollegiate athletics has been more criticized than Mark Emmert? In, in the last decade. Right. Okay. The best decision Mark Emmert ever made was to hire Nick Saban. Both were outsiders. And by the way, Mark Emmert was a whale of a president. He, I mean, he was a great president of an institution. Mm-hmm. He was an equally bad president of the NCAA. <laughs> yeah. But he made that choice, and it was his choice, okay? Joe Dean was still the athletic director, and he was sent out to deliver the message and to go out and procure uh, Saban, but it was Emmert's hire, without a doubt. And uh, I think their record, the year they played and lost to uh, 
Jerry Donardo's LSU Tigers in the Independence Bowl in '95. Yeah, six five I and one. They were six four and one. Six five and one. After, yeah, after the loss, six five and one. Yeah. Yeah, six four and one coming into that game, and yet when Donardo was fired, it was it was Saban that was hired. Hence the the negative reaction from so many uh, in Baton Rouge. Yeah. But if you took a look, if you peeled some layers of the of the onion, you would have found what his background was. And that the level of player, the level of talent that he was getting at Michigan State was as good or better than it had ever been, you know, maybe arguably since uh, the Duffy Darty era. And, and Duffy Darty got those great players in the 60s because at that time, uh, the black athlete was not playing in the SEC. Right. I mean, George Perlis had some good years, but he didn't have the kind of talent that Michigan had through those years. And and uh, players like Musen Muhammad, by example, they they weren't going to Michigan State until Saban got there. So he was a very aggressive recruiter, and and uh, I think the combination of not not just Emmert wanting him, but Jimmy Sexton, who was uh, you know really just getting started with his uh, uh, incredible stable of coaches that he would represent, uh, told you know was told by Saban. And this was Saban who had done his homework, that he had done some investigative work in the NFL and that uh, outside of Ohio, Texas, Pennsylvania, Florida, and California, which are all known for great, you know, being great hotbeds of college football recruiting, he said the most players in the league per capita at that time were from Louisiana. So if you took the population base into account. Sure. And then looked at NFL rosters, you would find per capita Louisiana having more. So he was like dying to get the job, and you saw what happened. Yeah, fenced off Louisiana and, and really got the golden and, era of college and, football underway and uh, got it going. Hey, Timmy, um, obviously you and uh, I mean I was you and I were have been talking about a, a college football playoff and expansion of the playoffs for years and years and years. Um, you know, I was, I was all for it. Let's, you know, I wanted a group of five tournament in there now that they're expanding to 12, you know, you might, after Cincinnati got in this past year, you might actually see some access for the group of five, but give us your thoughts on the 12 team tournament. Um, do you think it's, it's, I I feel like they're going to usher it in sooner rather than later. Um, just kind of your, your thoughts on the idea that we're now perhaps making college football more accessible at the highest level and more exciting down the stretch. Well, it's going to be all that. It really is. Anybody telling you any different, it just isn't. <laughs> they, they are, uh, you know, they're an elitist of the top uh, form because they, they want to close it off and just keep it for the same teams, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama every year. Um, it, it's the best thing that could possibly happen to college football. And anyone saying that it's going to reduce the impact of the regular season is also, you know, out of their minds. Um, the 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 impact and influence of a game, by example, uh, I think one of my colleagues, Reese Davis, made this statement uh, last week when he was asked about um, the um, the expansion, and he said he was for it, but that it would come at a price—the price of a game like Texas and Alabama, right? Being so important. Well, I, I I totally disagree with that. <laughs> I completely disagree with that. You're not going to stop the passion of the fans of college football uh, over there being more opportunities 
even after you lose a big game. You're yeah. not going to stop that passion in September. What you will do, okay, is you will add huge importance to games in November. Yep. And as we know, yep. the games we remember are played in November. And those teams that are playing that are outside, say, the number 17, 18 position in, 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 in the standings, in the college football playoff standings, and they're playing a team that's maybe ranked 10th or 11th or 9th. I'll give you a great example in the Big Ten. I've done the Heartland Trophy game two of the last three years. And Iowa and Wisconsin, in each of those years, were ranked somewhere between number 8 and number 20. Both teams ranked all the time. Imagine how many more viewers there would be. And we've averaged over 4 million for that game. Mm-hmm. Okay, on Fox, and it's been running opposite the Iron Bowl, which is considered one of the greatest you know college football games there is. People say, "Well, they are nobody's watching that game." No, four million are people in the Midwest are watching that game. Well, you can you can organize and structure your college football schedule in such a way that you can have all these meaningful games with teams that are ranked anywhere between uh, twelve and, and twenty. Okay, and these games take on just huge significance. Yeah, which only drives what more viewers to college football than would otherwise be there in November. And again, you know, people that listen to your show or that they listen to podcasts or they're listening to me on a regular, but we've got them. College football's got that thing. What we don't have are the casual fans that really want to be entertained with something that's meaningful and important. But they really don't follow the sport as regularly as we do. We're looking to get the viewership up from, you know, four million for that game to about nine or ten million. And by the way, if if, if we do that, then maybe the Iron Bowl instead of getting a ten or a twelve rating, it'll get a fifteen or an eighteen rating. You know, you'll have NFL like ratings, which you know, college football only gets about half the viewership that the NFL does. It's the second most popular sport. It's the second most watched sport in America. Yeah. Okay. But we're a distant second to the NFL. And sometimes I think uh, even the most ardent college football fan needs to understand the NFL got where it is because they know how to market themselves. College football has been stuck in molasses for years because the people that were in governance did not understand how to grow their sport. I believe this. I think you're right. I think there's a very good chance that we might start, say, a year before we think we will. Mm-hmm. If, 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 if nothing changed and the, the television rights were held with four teams by ESPN until 2026, that would be the year that we'd do it. I think because the Big Ten deal is done, the SEC deal is done, we'll, we'll soon have the Big 12 and the Pac-12 or what's left of the Pac-12 done. I think you'll see the commissioners get all on the same page and say, let's let's move this up because it's another revenue stream. They need the additional revenue stream. But I'll throw this caveat out, Patrick. Because they floated this out week one of the regular season of college football, they floated this out, mm-hmm. which was a week after the Big Ten deal was announced. Right. I think by putting out 12 right now, let's get everybody in the mood to understand it's definitely happening. It's definitely going to happen. But as we get closer to 2025, and I I think it may start a year early, Mm -hmm. okay? I don't think it'll be here in 24, but I think it will be here in 25. 
by that time they can get the bowl thing worked out, get schedules of teams worked out uh, with the new uh, movement from realignment. But I think we'll go to 16. I, mm. I think there's a very good chance that it will move from 12 to 16, and I, and I say that for this reason. Once they figure out how much more inventory they've got by having 16 and what it would mean for the first round of all these games to be played on campuses, not in bowl games, right. but in campuses, the money that can be made and money can be generated is going to be through the roof. Because right now the networks are saying what some of the old fans, the old guard, thinks about going to 12 or 16. My God, we've seen these, these semifinals with four have been blowouts. I mean, really, other than the Oklahoma-Clemson uh, Rose Bowl, every one of them have been blowouts. Yeah. So TV can bring the price down by saying, you know what, we got to see something before. We need more games here. Yeah. Okay. And I think there's a, the idea of not having teams one, two, three, and four involved in the first week of the playoff is not, a, not really a good marketing idea. But to have one playing 16, two playing 15, three, you, know, you follow me? You right. get my drift? No, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying. The chances of us beginning this thing with 16 is real. No, I, I, I could certainly see that. And, uh, you know, right now the model is the top four won't get home games uh, because they'll have a, a first round bye, and then it'll be bowl right. games at that point. This way they would this get, way this way they'd way get a home game. Home. Yeah, and I think that's a huge deal. And, and let's be honest. In the end, and the NFL recognizes this, that's why they've added teams to the playoffs. In the end, no one cares if you go in college 11-1 and in the regular season. If you're not playing for a championship, nobody cares. That's right. And so so this reasonably gives 12 and then potentially 16 different fan bases and 20 to 25 fan bases in reality as the the as you go down the stretch gives all right. of them a reason to to stay in and be part of their team because right. how and, many and, games and have we watched at the end of the year the last several years that mean nothing right and again if it winds up being the same four teams at the end great yeah so and be that, it that's fine no one's begrudging that Georgia Alabama Clemson and Ohio State have separated themselves when it comes to qualifying for a 14 playoff what we're saying is the lack of access is an issue and inclusion rather than exclusion is a money-making profitable choice for you to make yeah and it will engage the rest of the country and if their team happens to lose it's only natural it happens in the ncaa tournament all the time fans adopt the team that knocked them out of the tournament and they root for them to win the whole thing happens a lot and and again on since you brought it up, Patrick, and we did discuss a group of five playoff, it was your idea, and, mm-hmm. I, and I disagreed with it. I'm disagreeing with it still. Sure, now. Because yeah. we can eliminate the entire thought process of power versus group up. Right. Okay? It's just Division One college football. Okay? And when, when a team like Georgia Southern or App State, mm-hmm. uh, can, a Marshall can go in, representing the Sun Belt and beat Power 5 teams, you know what? It should count. It shouldn't be just your little week in the sun. When a team like Coastal Carolina is playing BYU and it gets a great rating and everybody's there and game day goes to you know, Myrtle Beach, it's, it's just a sideshow. It means nothing. Now it can mean something. If a team from the Sun Belt or the group of, uh, from the Group of Five or from the American Conference gets in, and, and has a, a, a real impact and influence 
on the playoff early, it's one of the biggest things that's ever happened in sports. Yeah. And, uh, and college football then and only then will have a playoff that, that America will really be juiced up for. As it stands right now, we've given up the whole month of December to the NFL. We've given up 40 days between the end of the regular season until the championship games are played. It's lost. There's no juice. Now, the week leading up to the championship, you've got an elimination process going. And the buildup of viewership will be through the roof. Absolutely, absolutely. Timmy, uh, always appreciate your time, my friend. Have fun at the banks of the Olin Tangy. Uh, go dot the I if they'll let you. Uh, I think you well, should dot the I, I. There will be at least one KJ in there. Here we are at the banks of the Olin Tangy. There you go. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, gotta throw a Keith Jackson in there. Uh, and by That'd the way, Timmy, I can, I can think of no one that that uh, would be better to dot the I than you, sir. So I hope that I hope they give you the chance to. Thanks, man. You're the best. And congratulations on everything. Oh, you're, thank you so much, Timmy. I appreciate it. Timmy B., Tim Brando, Fox Sports. He will be uh, calling the uh, game between Toledo and Ohio State uh, up at the Horseshoe at the Banks of the Olin Tangy coming up at 6 o'clock on Saturday. Big, big thanks to our boy Tim Brando, Timmy B., for joining us and uh, giving us his insight. You know, I never really thought about the idea that they might actually expand past 12. Of course, I never thought they would get to past 8 to start with. So uh, I, 12 to me was the limit. But uh, but Brando brings up a good point. You know, when they see the inventory that they've got that means more in the playoff I wouldn't be surprised if they decide, you know what, we're going to 12. That or We're going from 12 to 16. Uh, that honestly wouldn't shock me that much because they will, they will have seen exactly what it means to have that kind of inventory available. And look, the playoff, playoffs are going to be the thing that matters. They are going to be the thing that counts down the stretch. I love bowl season. I think there's too many of them, but I still like kind of the pageantry of the bowls. I wish they'd eliminate about 10 of them, that down kind of at the bottom. But for the most part, I love bowl games. The Independence Bowl is here in Shreveport. I love that. Uh, but I, the bowl season just doesn't really matter. It's, it's exhibition games. It's for fun. The playoffs mean something. That is for a championship. And it, so it's going to be fascinating to see if they decide to let more folks in. And as Tim mentioned, we talked about so what if it's the same four teams at the end? At least the other teams got a shot. Any of the people that are out there telling you that, well, it's going to be the same four teams, so we might as well not even have a playoff. Like Those people are, are, are awful. They're, they don't want more fun. And yes, there are going to be games at the beginning of the season that mean less because we have a playoff at the end with 12 teams. But you know what? There are going to be so many games that mean more at the end of the season. Just think about the number of games at the end of the season that just don't mean anything, that are just not very uh, fascinating, good, worth watching, because they don't count for anything. Well, you know what? That changes when you get a 12-team, or potentially, as Timmy talked about, a 16-team playoff. That becomes a heck of a lot different, and I personally can't wait for that. Hey guys, with the college football season now underway, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on, like BetUS. Did you know that BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years, thriving and paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? 
Well, we want you to go to BetUS.com and take advantage of an offer we have on our shows from College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST and then the number 2 twice afterward, COAST22. Put $100 in, you get an additional $125 to play with. $200 initially deposited gets you $250 extra, and so on. And BetUS also has the NFL, the MLB postseason, and of course soon the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of or wager on. But we know you're college football fans, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUS. Check them out at BetUS.com, and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups. That's our code, COAST22. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. All right, no real uh, barbecue stories to share for this week, but I am excited. Uh, The Northwestern State Demons are heading to Hattiesburg, Mississippi to take on Southern Miss uh, coming up on Saturday. And with that, an opportunity for me to make my first trek to a legendary Mississippi barbecue place called The Shed in Ocean Springs down on the coast. It's about, a, it's about an hour or so from Hattiesburg. So the plan is get up on Saturday morning, head down, uh, check out The Shed down in, uh, in Ocean Springs, uh, see what the fuss is all about. It's one of those legendary, not only is it you know, the barbecue supposed to be great, but the place itself, it's big and kind of weird and eclectic and just cool. So I'm very much looking forward to getting down to The Shed uh, in, uh, in Ocean Springs and checking that out. So next week, for next week's episode of Pigskin and Burn Ends, we will have a, a barbecue story for you. Since we didn't have one, uh, demons were at home. Actually, not even at home. They were in Shreveport, up here, my home. Uh, so I didn't really, you know, wasn't, wasn't much venturing to be done. Because as we always say, you win the road trip even if you don't win the game. And there wasn't a road trip. I was at home, so there was no road trip to win. Now, this coming week, Hattiesburg, uh, down to the Shed Barbecue at Ocean Springs, that is a road trip to win. So we're very much looking forward to that. Uh, That'll do it for this week's episode of Pigskin and Burn Ends. We appreciate you listening. As always, please please, retweet it when you see it. Please subscribe, like, uh, all of those things. Follow along with all of our good folks on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. We've got a a uh, just a full, full slate of folks from all over the country that are bringing you the finest in college football content all season long. So we appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we'll have some barbecue to talk about, and we'll get to get into LSU Mississippi State. And as usual, we will have a guest of some description for you uh, to chat uh, things all, all things college football. Uh, this has been uh, your edition of Pigskin and Burn Ends for this week. I'm Patrick Netherton. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, even if you don't win the game this weekend, make sure you win the road trip.